1: Well, hello there and welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network and uh, we're also sponsored by DraftKings. So uh, a big shout out to uh, both of those groups. Uh, Proud to be affiliated with both of them. Uh, This is episode 233 of The Press Zone. Can you believe that? 233 episodes, season five. We're just so happy that you are here with us today. and uh, boy, let me tell you we have got an like just knock it out of the park episode for you today. Can't wait to tell you all about that. But first, I uh, want to make some introductions. Uh, first, I'll start with myself. My name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host for the show, also the lead correspondent at the AHL Report, and I'm joined in the studio each and every week uh, by my tremendous co-host. He's our founder and president here at Rocket Sports Media. Also happens to be our editor in chief, uh, and he does a great job at that. Does a great job at being my co-host, and he's the one. And only Rick Stevens. Good afternoon. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing fine, thanks. You're doing fine. I am. That's good. It's the final day of November. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know where the time went.
2: We just uh, breezed through the the Black Friday uh, Cyber Monday weekend.
1: Yes, we did. Um,
2: Got all your shopping done. I'm assuming.
1: B- miraculously, I think I am almost done wow. my shopping. Um, That's impressive, and I didn't even change out of my pajamas to do it. No, I did not go out shopping looking like a slob. I just.
2: God, I actually don't bl- understand. You, you see the, the the reports of of uh, sorry to interrupt. That's all right. Um, the the people lining up and hours, <laughs> and I th- I thought that I thought that ended a long time ago.
1: Well, I thought it was still kind of. Uh, during the pandemic, people wouldn't want to be doing that. Um, I can fondly remember my mom and I going out and doing that when I was a, a teenager. Um, but yeah, apparently it was back in full force again this year. You couldn't pay me to go out and shop on Black Friday these days. I am happy to do it from uh, my laptop. It's just a, uh, it's, I love online shopping. <laughs> it's tremendous. So,
2: but you're still a little envious of Boxing Day, right? Everybody down God. south, they 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 just they'd love to be Canadian for that day to be able to shop on Boxing Day.
1: There's a couple of days a year that I do uh, anoint myself an honorary Canadian. Boxing Day right. is one of them okay. because um, because it's Boxing Day and World Juniors starts that day, yeah, so yeah. it's got to be a, a well, technically all of us Rocket Sports folks are working that day covering World Juniors and the prospects, but but yes. Uh, Absolutely celebrate Boxing Day, uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. I anoint myself as an honorary thanks mm-hmm. uh, Canadian because why not eat turkey dinner twice? It's it's fantastic, um, and and yeah, those are the two days that I make myself kind of an honorary Canadian. In particular,
2: July first, you single Canada? Canada," you wave a flag. <laughs> you...
1: uh, no, I have uh, no, I haven't done right. that for Canada Day. And and not really Victoria Day. Although I could, I mean, if I could get an extra three day weekend squeezed in there in May, that'd be great.
2: Official start to summer.
1: Although I don't, you know, I work for myself, so I guess if I, I guess if I requested off,
2: you could take the August boss would probably tell if you want.
1: Me that I could take off. Anyway, I digress. Uh, we have a great show lined up for folks today. It's a little different than we normally do. um, And not because we have, uh, we have not one, but two guests on the show today, which we have done before. Um, And so that's part of what makes today special. But what, what really kind of makes today special is we're not going to take this typical format that we normally do. We're not going to go line by line through uh, the Laval rocket and the Lehigh Valley phantoms this week, um, simply because there are, Two great guests that we have on the show with us today that we want to make time for. And uh, in case you've been living under a rock, uh, Montreal Canadians have been turned upside down uh, this past weekend. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to encourage you to go to AHLReport.com. You'll find all of our Laval Rocket recaps there um, for last week. Gets you all up to speed on how the Rocket did last week. Here's a here's a spoiler alert. Uh, they didn't do too well. They dropped a couple of games last week to Belleville, um, so they are they are actually struggling a bit down there in Laval. But go to ahlreport.com. Check that out. Uh, in the first segment here, then we are going to Rick and I are just going to get you up to speed on everything that's happened uh, with the Montreal Canadiens in the past couple. Days who's who's in who's out and who are we searching for now basically as jeff molson begins kind of a front office rebuild um did we say this is a combined show i don't know that we did well
2: it's a combined show
1: it's a combined show
2: for those listening
1: yes so have no fear uh if you are a flyers fan because we've got we've got some some things coming in here for you as well um then in our second segment Our first of our two special guests for today, our second segment, completely dedicated to a fantastic first time guest on the show. Hopefully not the last, Uh, the one and only Martin Biron, Marty Marty Biron, former NHL goaltender for those Philadelphia Flyers, among other NHL teams, will be joining us on the show. He's here today. He's going to talk to us a bit about uh, his thoughts on goaltending development, particularly the CHL to AHL or, or pro transition. Uh, He's going to talk a bit about Caden Primo. He's going to talk a bit about Carter Hart. Uh, And we might get his opinion on some things going on uh, in in the Habs front office right now as well. So a fantastic interview with Marty Buran coming up in the second segment. And then in the third segment, our dear friend Patrick Williams is back for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. Uh, And I have a feeling... On the agenda with Patrick today is going to be, uh, unfortunately, the very kind of scary, rapid snowballing of AHL and NHL team postponements and game postponements that's happening. Uh, we're going to kind of break all that down and and take an assessment because it's it's kind of starting to run like wildfire in the A in the AHL. So we have a lot to cover today. We do. We do. So let's get started first on, you know, even if even if you're not necessarily a Montreal Canadiens fan, what has happened in Montreal in the past couple of days is major NHL hockey-wide news. And so... Uh, We think that you're going to get a lot out of this uh, as well. In fact, I saw a lot of uh, Flyers fans talking um, about what Jeff Molson is doing, talking about, you know, Molson saying the team, the organization needs a fresh start. I've seen a lot of Flyers fans reacting like, Dave Scott, uh, could you do something like this, please? Like, it's time to pull the trigger and and do an overhaul. So maybe we'll be having another show about that at some point this season. Uh, But for today, we're going to talk about... um, the start of a new era for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I guess, Rick, first, just the facts as we know it. We saw rumblings happening on Saturday night as Elliot Friedman uh, made it known that uh, the Habs had received permission to speak to Jeff Gordon. Uh, and that it was all indications were that he would be coming to the Montreal Canadiens in some sort of um, hockey ops, you know, overseeing the hockey operations uh, role. That was then officially announced on Sunday in the same breath as mentioning that Mark Bergevan, Trevor Timmons, and Paul Wilson had been relieved of their duties effective immediately, should also backtrack first uh, before that happened as well. Scott Mellonby resigned over the weekend from his position. That was a, another early indicator that things were about to start shaking up. Uh, so Rick, we've Scott Melonby. Out uh, by his own doing, by his, on his own accord. Sort of. Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff Gorton in and Bergevan Timmins, and Paul Wilson uh, out of the front office. It was a lot in 24 hours, 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah an awful <laughs> lot. It's, it's a um, lot.
2: So if we go back 10 days, that's apparently when this started when um jeff gordon's name was brought to the attention of owner jeff molson um molson said he had no idea um uh who he was what he, you know any of his background um did a bit of research um, jeff molson traveled to new york city to meet with uh, jeff gordon um Jeff Molson reached out to Gary Bettman of all people <laughs> to get his, uh, take.
1: Thanks, and,
2: Gar. uh, yeah, he was, um, uh, quite impressed. And, uh, so then, as you said, it started coming out that Jeff Gorton had received permission uh, or the Canadians had received permission from, uh, the New York Rangers, uh, Jeff Gorton, formerly, uh, the, the general manager, of the New York Rangers, um, and, and really quite a surprise when he was uh, turfed because he had done mm-hmm. uh, quite a good job. He had lots of experience going back almost 30 years yeah. with the Bruins and the Rangers. Um, and lately we've seen him on... Uh, uh the, doing a in a broadcasting analyst kind of role right. um but obviously the kind of guy who wants to get back uh in uh, hockey operations and so he's going to be uh the Canadians brand new executive vice president of hockey operations um and uh that that news came out uh on Sunday um it was uh Apparently, uh, under consideration for some role as well was Scott Mellenby. Um, Scott Mellenby was actually recommended or, or Mark Bergevan's choice uh, to, uh, to, to, to take his place. Uh, Scott Mellenby talked to Molson on, on a number of occasions. Uh, he was promised uh, a promotion, whether that be uh, general manager or or this new uh, hockey operations position. At some point, um, Jeff Molson had a change of heart, and uh, then told, uh, gave the news to um, Scott Mellenby that he wasn't um, going to be considered he uh, anymore as uh, for an upgrade. And so uh, Scott Mellenby felt um, he had to leave the organization, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Sunday, it was with um, Mark Bergervan, it was announced, as you said, that Trevor Timmons, um, also a, an assistant general manager uh, like Scott um, uh, Mellenby was, uh, in charge of am- amateur scouting, um, he was uh, shown the door, as was a, a real curious one. Uh, I don't know there, there was uh, some of the the media folks were talking about this. When have you ever seen um, a head of communications uh, tossed at the same time a general manager? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was Paul Wilson, obviously Paul Wilson, a ton of experience in uh, in Quebec, in the corporate world, and then with with the uh, the Canadians. Um, he was showing the door and um, uh, actually he was. Driving on the way back from Florida, um, when he got the call from Jeff Molson, um, like Mark Bergevin, he had been recently diagnosed with a case of COVID. Uh, wasn't able to board a plane, so rented a car and was in the car driving back to Montreal when he got the news.
1: Well, and as <laughs> Jeff Molson then met with the media on on Monday morning uh, for about an hour and. And made sure that he let... Yes, he did confirm that uh, Mark Bergevin's COVID was over on Sunday. Uh, Completely. <laughs> apparently, yeah. there's just a cutoff date yeah, for it's when a switch you turn yeah, off. and it's off. it's done now. Um, and that he did wait uh, until Mark Bergevin was healthy again uh, before he informed him that he would no longer be employed uh, by the Montreal Canadiens. So it was quite a whirlwind of a weekend. The game, uh, all of this coming out Saturday night while the Canadians are, are playing a game. And it seemed like the game was just irrelevant at that point when, when everyone realized things are happening and you'd, Everyone waited with bated breath by their phones on Sunday. You knew, you knew something was coming on Sunday and sure enough, it was. Uh, now, Jeff Gordon is slated to, he was in Western Canada over the weekend. So he's not slated to first appear uh, in Montreal until Wednesday this week. Uh, he's, he's uh, allegedly going to be reporting to the Brissard practice facility on Wednesday and will likely meet with the media for, for the first time on Friday. Uh, so, if anyone thought that the Canadians would get a, a a bump in motivation, that didn't happen. They dropped their game against um uh last night against Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver. Thank you. Totally went out of my head. Um dropped their game against Vancouver last night, two to one. Uh and um it's uh <laughs> it's a fresh start. It's a it's fresh a, start. That's so Jeff Molson kept Moulson. saying that. Yeah. Um it's a fresh start, except Jeff Molson's not going to relinquish his role as President. And as much as he tried to say over and over and over again that he's not involved with any hockey decisions in Montreal, well, we know that's not true, which we know is complete, just hogwash. Um it also means that that's not going to change. So he's going to continue to have his own influence, however much he wants to admit that he influences his GM and, and Jeff Gordon now. So he, his claim was that um, if he had realized in hindsight, if he had realized really how in in the Montreal market, how much of a burden it is to be the GM of the Montreal Canadians, that five years ago he would have added a secondary role like this new executive VP of hockey ops position uh, then to help alleviate some of the burden for Mark Bergevin then, um, So he really he's 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 going with a two like a a tandem approach. Really, Um, Jeff Gordon will be there to to oversee the hockey operations department. And the search is currently now on for a new general manager who will work with Jeff Gordon um, and and take care of and be kind of the public facing. So, of course, it means he needs to be bilingual. Uh, which has been adamantly stated by Jeff Molson by the team in their in their press release that it is going to be a requirement. They must be bilingual in English and French, um, and uh, the search is on. And of course, that leaves all the speculation wildly flying around as to who that's going to be.
2: <laughs> the uh, press release uh, about the position said that um, that that there would be a um, uh, yes, uh, a, a focus on assert, yeah. uh, well, no, it's it, that was that was uh, Molson's words, which uh, of course, uh, I again, should hope so. That's not no. <laughs> I mean, it's it can't be true by definition. It can't be true. Well, that's true. It can't be um, looking under every rock. It it can't be because only um, Quebecers will be considered. So. Um, and and this whole business about remember uh, that uh, Claude Julien wasn't good enough. Paul Byron isn't good enough because he's an uh, an Ontario Francophone, uh, Franco Ontarian. <laughs> um, anyway, the 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 press release said that the general manager will bring significant hockey experience to the organization, um, and that's that's there's there's, there's it's it's kind of wide open. Uh, but the the primary focus is the person's uh, ability to communicate with fans in both French and English. Well, let's 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 put that out of it's it, it has nothing to do with the fans. If you listen to the fans, they want the best person. And whether you're an English fan or a French fan or a Quebec fan or a fan wherever you are, every single one of them. Who we've ever talked talked to, and have who you said, look
1: at on social media,
2: and you see on social media, they all say the Canadians need the best, no matter what. Uh, so this is being driven. This whole language requirement is being driven driven by Molson, because he's the one who listens to the academics and the business elite and and the media um, and the nationalists and, and those people who, uh, are using the Canadians for this little social engineering project. Um, this, this, this has nothing to do with the fans, uh, whatsoever. They want, um, an experienced, uh, you know, uh, general manager. Uh, and I, I think they're going to be disappointed in this. Jeff, uh, Gordon, Obviously, lots of experience. Great selection. Uh, a, a really good hire. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just cover for um, the fact that the the general manager is not going to have experience. And, and in fact, uh, Molson went to the trouble of saying that, um, listen, um, Mark Bergevin had zero experience when we hired him. And it didn't turn out too bad, did it? He did um, a great job. So... Uh, and then, as you said, he went on to say he would have hired um, – if he knew what he knew knows now, he would have hired that, – that just isn't true because um, time after time after time, um, Jeff Molson was asked, every time he, he had a press conference, when are you going to hire a president of hockey operations? And he said, the Montreal Canadiens don't like that structure, don't need that structure. We have me, president of the organization – I do a great job and we have uh, a general manager and that's our structure. And he said that a million times. Uh, so now he's t- going back and rewriting a bit of history here. Um, but don't be surprised if the um, new general manager comes in with zero experience like Mark Bergevin did.
1: And of course, some of the names that are being um, trotted out right now are Patrick Waugh, of course. Um Martin Madden, Matthew Darsh, Roberta Luongo, Danny. Bre- I'm sorry, Daniel Briere.
2: No, it's Danny. He it prefers is. Danny. We know that. Yes,
1: he's been on this show before. He's a he's. I a, go he's by Dan. Good, acqu- you know, I he's like Dan great acquaintance, and we have a lot of respect for Danny Briere. He's doing a fantastic job in what he does with the Flyers and and running things with the Maine Mariners, um, and I think that Briere will eventually land a GM spot uh, in the NHL. And I would bet that it's probably going to be in the Flyers organization um, somewhere down the line. I don't think that he, I don't think he, I don't think this is the right appointment for him. Um, Matthew Darsh. Uh,
2: just, just about Danny Breer. Sure. Um, interesting point for our Flyers uh, fans uh, and Montreal as well. He said that, of course he's uh, right now with the main Mariners, mm-hmm. uh, the ECHL um, affiliate of the Rangers, um, well, no, the Boston Bruins. Sorry, now. that that yeah, it, it, they switched that, this year. Yeah, that's sorry. Um, th- there was that affiliation switch this this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said that he would, in order to be considered, he would need permission from the Philadelphia Flyers, um, which is interesting uh, because he has a development role uh, with uh, with the Flyers presently. So he does. I th- I thought that was uh, just a little fascinating tidbit
1: I think so too and I think he does a great job I think he will eventually make a very good GM someday um and I think that he just I think he's on a good natural progression of gaining experience at different levels and at different um areas of hockey operations and I think let him continue on that path because I think sooner rather than later they're grooming him in Philadelphia and I think that would be a great place for him to be because Philadelphia loves Danny Breer um it would be it would be like a match made in heaven, I think. Um, Matthew Darsh, again, no experience um, at at this kind of a position. Um, Patrick Waugh is is the constant saga. We always hear Patrick Waugh's name come up. Um, we talked about this on Saturday on the Canadians Connection podcast. Um, that you know, he said, "Look, we have no." His agent said, "No one from the Canadians has called us." Uh, yet we'd certainly talk to them if they did, but we're keeping our eyes on, on other situations as well, like Vancouver. Um, yeah, so it's going to (laughs) be, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what really comes out of the interview process. Um, I thought it was funny that someone, you know, Jeff, Jeff Molson said, we want to, you know, we want to find the next GM as soon as possible and somebody asked him about that in his presser and, and said well what can you can you expand on as soon as possible because don't you want to not rush into this decision well yes of course we're not going to rush we're going to do an exhaust that's where he came we're going yeah. to do an exhaustive search but we want to get someone in the position as soon as possible well okay yeah, he contradicted himself. he did um it's um it's a shame to see. I, I don't think Scott. M- I said this on Twitter on Saturday. Scott Mellenby won't be out of a job for very long. He's going to get snapped up in a heartbeat. Um, and I think Trevor Timmons will land on his feet. Uh, I was I wasn't pleased to hear Timmons' reaction was that he was absolutely shocked on Sunday when his phone rang and it was Jeff Molson on the other end telling him what he needed to tell him. Um, you know it's. Again, it's we and we've talked about this, Rick. It's the, the issues haven't been the draft selections. It's what they do with them afterwards. And that's yeah, you know it's the that's, development.
2: It's the fact that the GM loves to trade uh, young prospects. Yes. Uh, it, it has nothing to do with with um, or little to do with the selections. And and let's also, uh, because somebody's gonna say, What about Louis LeBlanc? What about Oh, please no! Um, uh, though, remember, you should you should know, and you should remember that um, that the 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 head of amateur scouting recommends uh, their pick, and it's up to the general manager to either uh, accept that or um, replace that pick with his own. And several times, uh, it was. Uh, Bergevin's prerogative, or in one case, like Louis LeBlanc, that was Jeff Molson's selection. That was Jeff Molson's selection to make a splash. So the, there are, are several who can't be blamed on Trevor Timmons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis LeBlanc was one of those. Um, there's, there's uh, it, just uh, as far as a quick, I mean, uh, Vinny Damfoos, Patrick Waugh, th- they're silly. If you... If you, if you know hockey, if you know, if you followed the Canadians, if you followed their, their silly suggestions, uh, Roberto Luongo, Martin Brodeur, um, Matthew Darsh, um, interesting. Mm -hmm. We don't know yet. Uh, it's way too early. They have very little experience, a a year or two, um, way too early for, for any of those. Um, Danny Briere, yeah, he's he's on a path, but uh, but there are a lot of steps in between yeah. that and 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 this next position. Absolutely, Martin Madden Jr. is probably. I mean, I mean, he has experience, uh, a lot of experience. He has a connection to the Montreal market. Um, just uh, you know, I'd question whether um he's he's made the right choices when he's had the opportunity uh he's made the right decisions Uh, i think his record isn't terrific um so i mean there's again the 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 folks who are most knowledgeable who would have been the best candidates uh with the most experience number one scott mellenby number two trevor Timmons. Um, and those, those fellas will go on to, uh, be, become general managers elsewhere. Uh, I think the thing that, that the Canadians are, are the Canadians in a better position? There's a lot of talent. Mark Bergevin, I don't think he did very well with what he was given. Uh, but he surrounded himself with some amazing hockey minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, and now they're all gone. Uh, Rick Dudley. Yeah. Shane Churla, Yeah. Larry Carriere. Uh-huh. Um, Scott Mellenby, uh Trevor Timmons. Um all of those are out of the organization. That's that's a lot of hockey knowledge there that's that's gone. Um and I'm I'm worried a, a little bit about um um Jeff Molson said that uh now the the draft uh is in the hands of Marty Lapointe and um, Eric Crawford, uh, who's a, a pro scouting guy. Um, so uh, a little bit concerned about that, but uh, they're going to have to make, uh, there. there's going to be some token um, kind of appointments, but they really need to replace some of this this organizational knowledge that they've lost.
1: Absolutely, and that's where that's really where. Like I, I, agree with you. You know, you you ran down that list of names. You know, I would I wouldn't have a problem with a Matthew Darsh, a Roberto Luongo, a, a Martin Brodeur, a Danny Briere, in another few years after they've after they've gained more experience. Um, but in this market for Montreal, I, I I think all any of those four could have the potential to do good work. At the GM level. Um, but we don't it, it, they're a big question mark right now, particularly in a market that is under so much scrutiny, 24-7, like Montreal is, and with an organization that, as you say, just had a major exodus of hockey experience, uh, well known, long time, long-term, respected hockey minds. Um and so you really need to I mean, yes, Jeff Gordon is coming in and he's he's a good stabilizing experience driven hire. Um, but you need a lot more of that in that front office to write the ship and and make a solid plan for what's going to happen. And I'm not even talking about this year. I'm talking about next year and the year after that. What is it going to look like? Um You need to have you need to have people who who have done the job or something similar have been very close to it. Um, And so. We'll see.
2: And the bottom line is that um, Jeff Molson said that that uh, the the new general manager will have the final say um, in in any decisions, in any personnel decisions which is a little odd for the general manager who you think would report to uh, the uh, vice president of hockey operations. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this this these two are su- expected to work in tandem and the GM will have the final say. Um, I guess they couldn't, you know, it would, would have been a bad look for the francophone to be reporting to the, the anglophone. I guess oh, I don't know. Uh, that that's the optics that they want to avoid here. Uh, But the real problem is that Jeff Molson, as he says, said uh, all of these changes will have nothing to do with my role as president, that he will remain in that role. And that's been the biggest problem, mainly because, well, one, uh, there's there's not a lot of knowledge, hockey knowledge there. Number two is that uh, he is so focused on everything other than winning? Uh, in his press conference, there were, he didn't say anything about this. We're focused on on being the best. We're going to make decisions based on merit. We're striving for excellence. We want to win a championship. We we he didn't even mention well he did mention Stanley Cups. But he got it wrong. He didn't know how many Stanley <laughs> Cups yeah, the Montreal Canadiens have. He made a misspoke
1: a, there, a slip there. Yeah.
2: But there was there was none of that conver- none of that uh, goal setting about uh, about being the best, about striving for excellence, making decisions on merit. And I think that's the the problem. When you, it's hard to win a championship. It's it really is. hard to win a Stanley Cup, and it's even harder when you've got so many other priorities, uh, that you're trying to squeeze in, whether it be language, whether it be diversity, whether it be other things, uh, that you, that the priority is, is taking away from your pursuit of a Stanley cup.
1: It's, you know, it's, you hear fans clamoring over and over and over again, just, just put the tools in place for this team to win a championship again. Um, And I'm, I, right now I'm not, when it was just the Jeff Gordon appointment, that was the news. It was, okay, you, you, you felt like you had like a little bit of hope, like, okay, if this is the first move, I like this direction we're going in. Not feeling quite as hopeful (laughs) since uh, Molson's press conference, but. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how this all unfolds. Development is certainly going to need to be a key moving forward. It's been the one thing that the Canadians and we have, I mean, we sound like a broken record. We talk about it all the time. Development has been the failure for this organization for years. Um, it is going to be one of Bergevin's unfortunate parts of his legacy that development did not flourish under his tenure with the Montreal Canadiens at all. Um, And we're actually, that's, we are going to talk about that a bit with uh, Marty Buran coming up in the next segment. Uh, He's got some great insight and perspective on that as well. Um, You know, it's, uh, it's an important and vital part of any NHL franchise. Uh, You can't, you can't build a championship team if you don't have a solid pool of, of well-developed prospects, uh, to 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 pull from in your depth. Um, and so there's a lot on the plate ahead. Not, you know, Dom Ducharme, if he stays or if he doesn't, when the new regime comes in, just needs to focus on getting the guys that he's got on the roster through the rest of the season and and focus on hopefully giving the younger guys uh, more opportunities to just learn this season. Um, aside from that, this season is a wash. Um, outside of that, it's, it's going to be needing to focus on, on how to, to get things back in shape for the draft and for next season and begin a real development overhaul. We'll see if that happens. Mm -hmm. Just a reminder, uh, if you do want any Laval rocket, uh, AHL game recaps, go to AHLReport.com. We're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear from our sponsor. And we're very excited because on the other side of this break, as we mentioned, we will be joined and happy to welcome to the show for the first time, former NHL goaltender and current Buffalo Sabres studio analyst, Marty Buran. He'll be here to talk about the Habs, goaltending, development and prospects and a lot more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action packed, high scoring NFL game, but with the latest no brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Uh, Thanks again for being with us today. I'm your host, Amy Johnson joined by my co-host rick stevens of course we want to make sure that you're following uh the podcast and us and all of the appropriate people and places on social media so that you don't miss any of our coverage any of our prospect news and of course alerts when there's a new podcast or a new uh, article out on the website so be sure you're following this podcast at the press zone Make sure you're following AHL Report. That's at the AHL Report. That's where you find the game recaps. Uh, Patrick Williams will have his biweekly under review feature. Uh, Maria is is there with a weekly AHL weekly uh, update with news from around the league, uh, as well as news about the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. General AHL news, uh, and of course you can find Rick at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. And I guess the only other thing that we really need to ask you to do is look down and make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. We don't ever want you to miss an episode. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we're always happy to welcome great guests onto the show. We've had uh, quite a number of dozens of wonderful guests, whether they're current or former NHL or AHL players, coaches, scouts, uh, you name it. We've had uh, great guests on the show. We've got a lot more lined up uh, coming down the road. We don't want you to miss any of those. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Well, we're very excited here on the Press Zone this week. A very special guest that we're welcoming to the show for the first time. None other than Marty Buran, a former NHL goaltender and current Buffalo Sabres studio analyst for MSG. Marty, thank you so much for being here with us today.
3: No, I'm very happy to join you guys uh, on the Press Zone and uh, talk uh, hockey, goalie, prospect, all that stuff. I love it.
1: <laughs> well, we're excited to have you here. I, I guess let's, I first want to set the stage for our listeners. You know, our, our listeners are are well acquainted with the fact that we've covered uh, the Montreal Canadians' prospects for, for years, and particularly Zach Fucali, ever since his his rookie season, uh, and have followed his career even since he left the Montreal organization. But just to set the stage for for today's interview, um, right after, uh, I think, anyone who has, enjoys hockey, couldn't help but be excited for Zach Fucali in his very first NHL game at the age of 26, registers a shutout, uh, makes Washington Capitals history by being the first Washington goaltender to do so, Um, and I noticed that you had mentioned on Twitter, you sent your congrats uh, to, to Fukali as well. And you said in your tweet, quote, he's a perfect example of why we need to rethink goaltender development. CHL goalies are often too young at 20 years old to jump to the AHL. European goalies are 24 to 25 when they come over. Big difference. And that really struck me as something, uh, you know, goaltending is is hands down the hardest position to develop at a young age. Can you just go into a little bit of detail as as your thoughts behind that and and, and why jumping from the CHL right to go pro at the age of 20 might not be uh, the best path forward for goaltenders?
3: Oh, well, I use my own experiences to kind of see where I was 20 years ago, 25 years ago and where goalies are now. I have a son that's 17 that plays goaltending as well and at a high level in and, and, and Buffalo. And I also see the kids that he's played against the last couple of years and where they're at. And how and the development kind of moves along. And so for me, uh, I mean, when I when I turned pro in 1997, um, I was 20 years old. I had played three years of uh, a junior hockey in, in the correct major junior hockey league. Um, I started really, really well. My first year in Bullport, unbelievable. My second year, really good. My third year, and eh, I just say good to decent. Um, I had experienced the NHL at 18. I got called up for a few games. So it, it all kind of blends in really quickly. But I think the biggest thing for me was okay, I'm a first round pick. I'm a really I end prospect. My first year in Rochester, I should be burning the league. And this <laughs> is at a time where there was two minor pro leagues that were competing. There was mm-hmm. the AHL and the IHL. So there was a, a, a much greater chance that I was going to be given a lot of time to develop. But still, I thought, I better come in the AHL and perform. Uh, because if not, the next year the Sabres will draft another goalie and then... It's like, if I don't perform, I'm, I'm, I'm forgotten. I, I moved to the side. So, uh, and, and my, my first year in Rochester was really tough. I did not perform well. I had to adjust to number one, the pro life, the pro game, all of that. It's a lot different. There's guys on my team that were 35 years old, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with kids. And, you know, they had been around for 15 years and instead of playing with your, with your buddies, the, the kids that are the same age and junior. So anyway, Did not perform well. Uh, Got sent down to the East Coast League, actually, in the month of February, which at the time, in 1997, the East Coast League was the coast. It was like, you go there and never to return, (laughs) right? So luckily for me, Mike Bills, who was my goalie partner, well, he blew up his knee in a game in Hershey. I was in the East Coast only for two games. I got back up, and I finished the season really well. So then the Sabres kind of were patient with me and gave me the opportunity in my second year to really continue my development. And Mitch Korn, who was our goalie coach at the time and then Jim Corsi really spent a lot of time with me to help me uh, get the, the better of everything I had to offer at the American hockey league level. But now I find it that if goalies get, you know, they're 20 coming out of CHL, they get to the AHL. If in their first year they don't perform well, and if they struggle, and it's hard—it's really hard in your first year—then they push you aside, and somebody else comes in, and and that's not fair. I, 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 you know, and I know there's a lot of writing on general managers and and all of that to to produce players and to develop players. But I really think that with goaltenders, um, there should be a, a separate department. Uh, to, to develop goaltenders and to see what's the best road for them. Uh, because at 20, 21 years old, you're just not ready for it. So uh, it becomes very complicated. I don't have all the answers, but I do know that they're now producing goalies in Europe, in Russia, in Sweden, in Finland, uh, like, you know, it's a factory over there. So there's <laughs> got to be something that they're doing, allowing these young goaltenders to develop Uh, playing pro but taking their time, and then they don't come over until they're 25, 26. And that, to me, is the biggest difference why we see more European goalies uh, in the NHL than we do CHL goalies now because they have a different development path.
2: So um, I wonder if you can talk about the the mental aspect of of goaltending that that is probably the most immature part of of, of a young goaltender's uh, tool belt. Uh, you talked about the pressure of being a first round pick, sixteenth overall. Zach Fukali was an early second round pick, and and particularly being drafted into the Montreal Canadiens who. You know the long history not only the long history of goaltending, but but Zach Fukali is is drafted when Kerry Price is already installed there, so there's yep. there's that big picture pressure. But then f- we we covered Fukali, and and you know he used to he's, he's he was known e- even uh, in his young uh, age as an athletic goaltender. But um, he often talked about how he struggled with the mental aspect. Within the game, he, he talked about either getting focused on a bad goal or, or getting focused on making a big save. And he got absorbed by that and, and couldn't kind of set that aside and move on and and get ready for the next save that he had to make. So, uh, you know, can you talk about both the big picture and, and the within-game kind of uh, mental focus that's required and the patience that's required to let that develop with young goaltenders?
3: So it changes with everybody, right? We're all individual and unique individuals, and especially when you come to goaltending, I mean, there's some very technical goaltenders. There's some very athletic goaltenders. There's a mix of both. There's guys that are really strong mentally. Nothing phases them. There's guys that need to be hamped up before playing the game where some other goalies have to be calm and consistent. So it changes all the time. Everybody's got to find their own way Uh, of being able to be at their best. And that's why when you're 20 years old, think of where you were, like at 20 years old or Amy, whatever. Like, I mean, at 25, you're such a different person, having had many different experiences to know more about yourself. So for me, like I tell you, I was so lucky that the Buffalo Sabres and the Rochester Americans said, Marty, you are going to go and play some games in the East Coast Hockey League. No, I was lucky that there was an injury that I came back with in a few days because maybe I would never have made my way back to Rochester or to Buffalo. And I would have been just one of those first round pick that didn't pan out. Goalies that never really produced, right? But when I got to South Carolina, I got there on a Wednesday. I practiced and then I went to dinner with a couple of friends and teammates over there. And then the next day, I remember getting up in the morning. It's the middle of February. It was a beautiful, you know, Charleston, South, <laughs> South Carolina day. I went for a walk. Me and my buddy played tennis. We went to practice. We came back. Uh, I walked the town. Like, I just said to myself, I want to have fun. I, I, when I was playing junior hockey, I went to school during the day with my buddies we had lunch together. We had a lot of fun, and then I went to practice, and then I came home, and, you know, was I was a kid, right? And I wanted to have that feeling of a kid loving the game of hockey again. And I really made that conscious effort in, in South Carolina to say, let's just have fun. I don't need to be napping at 1 o'clock, waking up at 3, snack at 325, car at 340 you know, like a coffee at, at 410, like, like you become <laughs> so robotic about yeah. things that because the pressure is there. And if one day you feel good and you play good, you're going to say, I, I got to do exactly the same thing. I just thought, let's just go out and have fun. Uh, so now because there's so much pressure on young goaltenders that are high draft picks, like as Xicali, and if, He has an average season, like his first year in St. John was, was, was average. Then the next year, all of a sudden you're sent to the East coast league. And Mm -hmm. it's like, we're moving on to somebody else and, and they don't have time to realize that hockey is fun. It's a game. Now it's serious and it's a business, but there's the, the fun aspect. And for me, My personality, I needed to have that fun. Um, For other players, it's different, but I know that that was what made the change in me that allowed me to have success in my second year at Rochester, my first year in the NHL, and move on that way.
2: So, uh, you know, what you're stressing is patience is important with respect to goaltending development, and that would seem to me to align with the kind of messages you hear from former uh, Canadians goaltending coach, Stefan Waite, who says his milestone is kind of a minimum of, he wants his goaltenders to spend a minimum of a hundred games in the AHL, preferably um, 150. And he talks about his success with Corey Crawford, who had uh, over 250 games in the AHL. You had a hundred games in, in the AHL. Uh, how, can you talk about how important that is and, and, and how that, even if, you know, things are going uh, well uh, to, to to kind of uh, resist the temptation of calling up a goaltender too early?
3: Well, first of all, I don't think there's a, a magic blueprint, right? I don't know that 100 games or 150 games is the magic number. It changes with everybody depending on the situation. Um, I think we can basically throw away my first 15 games in the American league uh, and say that didn't do much for me. Uh, the next, you know, 70, 80. Yeah. That did a lot. So I didn't get to a hundred if I consider that, but still you learn a lot. And some other goaltenders, you know, uh, Carter Hart is one of them. I thought he should have been in, in the AHL a lot longer mm-hmm. and develop, mm-hmm. but Philadelphia had so many injuries in that, you know, eighteen nineteen season that yeah. they're like, well, we got to call the kid up and he performed well. I was really worried about him. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, you know what? He's ready. And let's go. Now in the second year, it wasn't the same thing or as, as third year, probably it was, uh, it wasn't the same. He, he did not perform as well, but still he's young and he's figuring it out. And the flyers have decided that he was the guy. So they, they're patient with him. Uh, but there is, guys like Corey Crawford that's been a long time in the American League that year after year they develop they get better and then they get a taste of the NHL they go back to the AHL they work on their craft and then they get another taste uh, and that probably is the 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 better way to uh, to to grow through the ranks is by every step of the way you have a check mark check mark check mark but that's not always going to be like that and also you you don't want to rush somebody. Corey Crawford, I remember skating with him in the summertime. He was an 18, 19, 20 year old kid. Uh, and I'm like, wow, he's really good. But you could see that he was tall and, and skinny and he was, you know, he needed to develop into his body. And so it's not just what you are on the ice is what you are off the ice as well. How, how are you maturing into your body, into your mind, into all of it? So for him, it worked out perfectly. And now, you know, I look at some other prospects, and obviously Montreal's got one in Caden Primo. Um, I work with the Buffalo Sabres, and, and they have Kopeka Lukonen in the AHL with the mm-hmm. Rochester Americans. And I think, well, these are very high-end prospects, but unless you're working with them every day, and and really know what they need if it is on ice, off ice, mental training, you know, all technical training, uh, conditioning training. There's you, you don't really know how long they're gonna need that that time to mature in the AHL. So is a team willing to spend three years, four years in the AHL on a goalie before they're ready for the uh, for the National Hockey League? I don't know. I. I think there's a lot of teams that are not wa- willing to wait that long, and that's, that's a mistake uh, because a lot of goalies need that, and that's why the European model is so good because there's a lot of teams in Europe, a lot of different leagues. Uh, they can wait on goalies. They can give them the two, three, four years to develop, and then all of a sudden they're not the same goalie at 24 that they were at 20 years old, and you know NHL clubs are benefiting from that.
1: You mentioned uh, Caden Primo with the Montreal Canadiens, and he's he's another one that you know we saw we saw what unfortunately the 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 early path for Zach Falcali when he was in the Montreal organization, and now you have Caden Primo come in, um and and has basically been declared in what is well known to be a high pressure market in Montreal, uh and is basically declared as kind of the heir apparent to Carey Price at some point down the line, um and you see that anytime that there's an issue if there's an injury uh, in the NHL or even particularly this season with with Carey Price uh, needing to to take some time for himself at the beginning of the season and not playing the initial clamoring of course from the fan base is we'll call up Caden Primo call up Caden Primo call up Caden Primo but we've seen you know, when Caden Primo gets called up to the NHL, he doesn't look as confident as he does when he's playing in the AHL. Is is that one of those instances? Uh, just your thoughts on on his management and 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 is he one of those instances where you know patience is a good practice here?
3: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the one thing, like when I mentioned Carter Hart earlier, my big issue when guys get called up too early is they start cheating and they start getting bad habits. And as a goalie, bad habits is death. Like it literally is death because Mm -hmm. in the NHL, bad habits is a red light behind you every single time. Um, So my worries, like when I watch Caden Primo, and I don't get to watch a lot of his games in Laval, like I'll pick up the highlights and see him make saves and, Um, see, you know, some clips of him uh, through, you know, some scouting websites or whatnot. Um, I think that when he's in the American League, he's very structured and he plays Mm -hmm. his game. And then all of a sudden he gets to the NHL and there's a lot of of scrambling. There's a lot of reaching. There's a lot of, and then after a while, it starts to to be cheating in his game. Um, So until you see that cheating starting to disappear at the NHL level, I I don't think you can consider somebody ready. Somebody ready is somebody that's coming in and they play the same game at the NHL level that they do at the AHL level. Igor Mm Shosturkin is that guy. Like he came in to Hartford farm team at the New York Rangers. He burned the AHL. Um, but, again, you're like, okay, well, what is that going to translate to when he all of a sudden moved on to the Rangers at the NHL level and it was the exact same game? Uh, you know, and that's good. There's, there's certain guys that it may take a little longer. Jake Ottinger is a guy that I watch in Dallas. And all of a sudden, there's times where you say, ah, you know, a little cheat here, there. Uh, but, but most often I'm like, well, he's playing the same game in Dallas that he is um, in the AHL. So there's a guy that's ready. Mm-hmm. So yes, if Caden Primo and the, the, the normal reaction from everybody would be, well, they need a goalie call up the, you know, the, the prospect, let's give them some NHL action. I think it's great, but it's great to for only one reason is to evaluate where that prospect is. And then you can go and work on the adjustment that you need to make at the AHL level. Uh, but again, I look at Kaden Primo right now and, and listen, I followed his career for a long time because I know is, you know, uh, his uncle Wayne and his dad, Keith and, and all of that. And I knew Kaden was a goalie back when he was playing in Philadelphia, youth hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I've kept an eye on him, uh, but he's, he's talented. Oh my gosh. Is he ever talented? He's got the size. He's got all the skills now it's just trying to put it all together to perform at the NHL level. And that's where goalie development doesn't stop after you're drafted. It doesn't stop after you're out of juniors or out of college. It continues. And it's even more important when you turn pro to continue the goalie development pattern um, that you, you set yourself on uh, because you're definitely not ready. You're, you're probably not ready until you're, you're retiring because there's always something to develop and work on.
2: This is all such great insight, and, and we could talk about <laughs> goaltender development all afternoon. But while we have you, I just want to switch gears a little bit. Um, on Sunday, the Montreal Canadiens announced the appointment of Jeff Gordon as their yep. new executive VP of hockey operations. Um, your, your career paths actually overlapped uh, when Jeff Gordon was the assistant GM in the New York Rangers. I wonder if you can uh, give us uh, a few words about Jeff Gordon.
3: Uh, well, Jeff Gordon is a really, really, really good hockey person. Um, a lot of developing a uh, development in his background, right? He was as an assistant GM, uh, with the Rangers, the, uh, you know, he oversaw with Jim Schoenfeld, a lot of the, uh, uh, the Hartford Wolfpack development and the, the, the really had that scouting eye and Jeff Gordon has that scouting eye as well. So, which is something that's been missing in Montreal. Let's not, let's not fool ourselves. Like Mark Bergevin did a great job with the Montreal Canadiens over the last 10 years. He's made some really great trades that turned out like to be very beneficial to the Canadians. Uh, and over years, he was able to put this team together with free agency trades and, and kind of tweak here and there. But the one piece that was really missing to the Montreal Canadiens is that development piece. Mm -hmm. Like, they're draft picks. They're, 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 you know, unless you're drafting a guy in the top five, top ten, whatnot, um, I think that they they did not pan out like they were hoping they would um, and for a long time now. And I think this year, and not saying this is on Cole Caulfield, but with Cole Caulfield, everybody's thinking he's going to be fantastic. And then tough start. He goes back to Laval, comes back up. He's not finding his groove. Um, I think at that moment, you're really thinking, wow, like what are the Canadians doing to mm-hmm. develop their young players? Uh, and I'm not saying it all was engine on, on Cole Caulfield, but then you start going down that rabbit hole and you realize, wow, there's just been a lot of high-end prospects that have not developed. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest reason why this move was made is that the Canadians as an organization realized that, You know, to sustain success in the NHL, you have to develop players. Pittsburgh Penguins went back-to-back cups, right? Because guys like Gensel, Russ, Dumoulin, uh, Matt Murray, uh, you know, so many other ones developed in Wilkes-Barre. And when they needed them in Pittsburgh and they came in, they fit in a perfect role. They won back-to-back cups. The Tampa Bay Lightning did the exact Mm -hmm. same thing. They developed. Sorelli, Kalorn, Point, Uh, you know, they they had a guy like Montreal, had a guy like Sergeyev, right? So there's a a young prospect (laughs) that you can take your time and develop, and Tampa saw an opportunity. We're going to take him, we're going to develop Sergeyev and bring him up. And all of a sudden, the Tampa Bay Lightning win back-to-back games, uh, back-to-back cups. Uh, for another great example. I remember covering the finals in 2015, Tampa, Chicago, and Ben Bishop was hurt. And it was like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Uh, who's going to play? And I thought it was going to be uh, the, the backup. And no, it was Vasilevsky that came in and played because Tampa developed him to where we know he is now. So to go back to Montreal, the development was not there the last few years. Jeff Gordon. I think is really a, a development mind type of, of person. So now let's really watch how this, this uh, front office for the Canadians develop over the next weeks and months. Cause I really think this is all going to be based on the development of young players, not just scouting, not just drafting players, but what do you do after you draft them? How do you develop them into NHL players, uh, which was not the case the last 10 years. Bergevin, uh you know and, and this team did great but they did not do developing players they did trading and signing of players which kind of is like you know if you have a rubik's cube and you pull the red because it's not working you put it on the other side right it's kind of like <laughs> not really sustainable you're yeah. not always going to be able to do that
1: well uh it's certainly refreshing you know it's- focusing on po- uh, prospects here at the press zone uh, as much as we do it that has been uh, we've we've sounded like a broken record covering the Canadians over the last uh many years uh, with the development arm of the organization and so it's refreshing to hear uh to hear your thoughts on it as well um, and Marty just have to say uh, your insights today have been fascinating it's been Absolutely a joy to speak with you. I hope we're able to have you back on the show again soon to talk hockey. Uh, but we can't thank you so much for being here with us today.
3: Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm sorry. Long answers, uh, not as many <laughs> questions, but there's, I'm very passionate about that aspect of it, especially on the goaltending side. Um, so for me, it's like an everyday conversation with, uh, uh, with people in my circle, and uh, I totally appreciate you guys are really talking prospects as much as you do and, and development. And uh, that's great because um, that's where we're all headed. We're headed that, you know, being a, uh, we used to call them silver spooners, guys that get drafted and play in the NHL and can have success. Like it's not, it doesn't happen all that often. It it the time to invest in development is now. So thank you for, uh, spending the time to talk about it. Thanks for having me. And yes, I'll I'll come back anytime you guys need
1: me to. Wonderful. Well, Rick, I think uh, it's safe to say I could sit and chat with Marty Buran for the entire afternoon. Uh, There were so many topics that I think that we could have really expanded on with him. Just a tremendous interview. Uh, Can't thank him enough for taking the time out of his very busy schedule to join us. But wow, what a lot of great information there.
2: Pleased to hear that uh, he's ready, willing, and able to come back again, and and we'll have to do that because, yeah, we just kind of scratched the surface. Um, he's he's obviously passionate about the development of prospects. Mm-hmm. Given the the issues with the Montreal Canadiens, and and that was certainly uh, the the lack of development, the lack of transition to the NHL was certainly part of Mark Bergevin's uh, uh, tenure and legacy. Uh, that uh, this is going to be a big issue coming up, and the that's it has to be an emphasis uh, for the 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 next regime. And uh, uh, Marty had some great great insight on that.
1: He really did. So thanks again to Marty Buran for joining us. Uh, We hope to have him back on the show again soon. Uh, However, we now need to get ready for our next guest. So we are going to take a quick break on the other side. Our good friend Patrick Williams is in the studio with us for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove Um, There are I mean, literally, even as we're recording today, there are new uh, AHL teams that are coming out with having to postpone games and shut down practice facilities because the COVID snowball is well underway. So we're going to talk about that and any other uh, hot AHL topics coming up right after this. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Episode 233, well underway. We've had a great first segment uh, breaking down all of the latest turnover and turmoil with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Marty Baran featured in the second segment. And uh, we've got Patrick Williams coming up in this segment in just a moment. Uh, just want to thank you back. Thank you for being here. Uh, again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And once again, just remember to give us a follow Follow on social media, on Twitter. You can find us at The Press Zone or at the AHL Report. Those are the two best places to go and make sure you're following. And, of course, just make sure you're subscribed to The Press Zone. We don't ever want you to miss an episode. Well, we've mentioned it a couple of times, and the time has arrived. It is AHL hot stove time here on The Press Zone. Uh, So happy to welcome Patrick Williams back to the show. Uh, with with Rick and myself. Patrick, thanks for being here. It's, uh, it's uh, Has it been two weeks already? But it's, at the same time, it seems like it's been so long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it's been two weeks, and yes, it feels like a long time.
1: <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back on the show today. If anyone missed uh, Patrick's under-review article on the AHL Report website, ahlreport.com, be sure to go check that out from last week. Uh, it was a great look at some of the surprises good and bad uh coming out of of the AHL so far this season and uh some really interesting storylines to follow there so be sure to check that out Patrick it was another great edition of of under review um thank you today i think really uh it was we the three of us were even chatting about it be, before the show today uh really it, i think it starts and stops today for the hot stove with shutdowns uh we're you know we we talked about this in a few different episodes altogether, together leading up to the season and even at the beginning of the season of the whole what ifs. And could they get through a season without shutdowns, without game cancellations or postponements? And we've teetered on the edge for a little while. But this past week, uh, Patrick, it seems that I mean, we've seen it at the NHL level, uh, but the AHL level, we're starting to see the floodgates open a little bit particularly in the eastern conference uh with a lot of teams being affected by covid and having to postpone games
0: yeah i mean earlier on in the season around the, the end of october um san jose barracuda had you know a little bit of a brush fire with this um the sharks at the same time were going through it and you know two of them being in the same city sharing a training facility uh it wasn't i guess so surprising that's it crossed over to the AHL club, uh, but then in November, when Ottawa was going through their situation, I mean, Belleville managed to avoid that, um, and uh, they certainly were hit hard by by call ups. But in terms of actual, you know, cases, uh, they didn't have anything to deal with. Uh, but now here we are, the end of November um the end of uh US Thanksgiving I don't know how much of a factor that is but uh it is definitely a common arrived arrived uh, in the American hockey league uh not only on the east coast but now on the west coast as well.
1: So we're seeing teams like Hershey, like Providence, uh Lehigh Valley has had a player go into covid protocol, uh Bridgeport I believe. We now today we hear that that it's the Condors. Um You know, between both of you, Patrick and Rick, uh, whichever one of you would want to would want to tackle this first. I mean, has have we have we just gotten, I don't know, fortunate that we've made it just about to December before this started to be an issue? Or was this kind of like the writing on the wall that this was inevitably going to start to happen? um, And 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 that's why maybe we're seeing teams just kind of casually being like, oh, well, you know, we're postponing a game moving on, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Well, I, I think we don't know, and that's maybe part of the scary part of it is that um, we don't. Uh, as Patrick said, maybe it relates to to Thanksgiving. Maybe it's it's just folks kind of uh, relaxing on on the protocols. Maybe it's you know a whole number of things. Uh, the 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 vaccines weakening, the efficacy of the vaccines. Um, you know, we we've heard that that. Um, the new variant uh, the Omicron variant has made it to North America we I don't expect that that's uh, an issue just yet and and that's that's a whole other scary uh, uh, component of of this but um, I don't I don't think that uh, that we know and I, I think it's it's uh, Cause the, the the individual teams and the league to to kind of wonder, okay, how do we how do we stop this? How do we put an end to this? How do we get this back under control? And and uh, maybe the answer is that that um, it's it it's not easily done.
0: I think that's a fair point, and, and I think it may also be coinciding. Um, you know, the earlier part of the season in the states, um, the the national cases were going down um it kind of coincided with the start of the season and now in the last couple weeks they've taken a pretty sharp turn upward and you know you can't separate a hockey team from from the rest of society and uh, they're out you know they're out you know they go to the stores they you know same place anyone else goes uh, their day-to-day life and uh, <clears throat> Here you know here you go it comes in and uh, i think I've, one thing we've learned about this virus through the last 21 months is that kind of once it gets in into your team in you know where whatever you're talking about your place of business um it's really hard to get it out and it can spread very quickly and almost like wildfire kind of situation so uh that's what teams are up against right now uh and you know now it's definitely Looks like it's and hold, at least with a few teams.
1: We've seen uh this week there's been reports out that the uh the NHL sent a memo uh league wide to, to every front office in the NHL stating that uh effective immediately every club's holiday parties are to be canceled, uh that players are no longer permitted players and, and staff are no longer permitted to participate in public facing charity events, autograph signings and so on and so forth um, that, uh, and, and went on to say the cases that we've seen in the NHL clubs that have been affected don't seem to be a single case that has spread throughout the organization. It's looking much more like it is, uh, community spread. Um, and, and please be sure to remind and encourage your players, no large family gatherings at the holidays uh please practice safety safety measures and so on and so forth and so if we're seeing that at the nhl level just after a couple of teams have faced postponements i mean the amount that we're seeing at the ahl level and frankly even even in the chl we're seeing it now too um Mm -hmm. at what point does does the ahl need to step in and say obviously the protocols are a little lax um We've seen people even complaining on Twitter photos of team teammates, you know, that are together and don't have masks on and things of that nature. At what point does does the league, for the safety of of the the viability of the AHL and and the teams, need to step in and start maybe enforcing some protocols and changing things up?
2: Well, I think that's, that that uh, that's. Th- you know we we saw uh, you mentioned about the holiday parties we saw uh, halloween parties yeah. in the ahl in the nhl and and um they're very entertaining i mean for for fans as well as uh, a release for the players um but maybe it was getting back to to normal a little bit too soon and and uh um, yes, this isn't just the AHL. The, the NHL has been effective with uh, postponement of games with Ottawa and, and the Islanders. We see uh, in the OHL the the Sudbury Wolves uh, they're shutting down because of a dozen players who have tested positive. Um, you know this this is and 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 it's kind of um, there's there's a couple of things in motion here and and we see that. The teams um, they they want to deal with with this as 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 the league getting back to normal. We see attendance numbers struggling uh, at the NHL and and AHL um, levels, and and um, if, you know the franchises wanting to to start rebuilding the coffers. But uh, this is this is getting to a point that's scary because there's that there's that new variant that uh, may have a an even more devastating impact uh, than Delta has so far.
0: Yeah. And maybe, you know what, maybe this is just, you know, part of, you know, you know, hockey teams can't wall themselves off from the rest of the world. And, um, you know, I mean, you can take, And we've seen, you can take all the precautions you want, Uh, you can be vaccinated, you can wear masks, you can do this, you can do that, and it could still happen. And I think that's the scary part about all this is that, you know, there's not a whole lot more left to be done, I guess, um, in terms of, uh, you know, what you're currently doing um, as far as protocols and, you know, safety measures. So. Um, and then to say nothing of this new variant, which uh, kind of you know, I think hit everyone like a ton of bricks this past weekend, uh, coming out, and you know, it's we've all I guess sort of gotten accustomed to to Delta and the, obviously the original uh, version of the virus, but now you got another one, and now it's supposedly more contagious and possibly more dangerous, so. Yeah, it just seems like there's one thing after another uh, with this thing for the last 21 months. And, uh, you know, I guess what I I feel like is last April, maybe or so, you sort of felt like, all right, things were turning the corner. You had the vaccine already on the way and uh, starting to take effect. And now we're kind of we've kind of maxed that out for the most part. And, you know, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot more of a. um you know, real big um, boost from the the vaccine in terms of uh, vaccination rates. And so I guess the question then becomes, well, where do you go from from here? Um, If this is sort of as good as it's going to get uh, in terms of what you can do, then do you just have to ride this out or do you have to go above and beyond? And I I don't have the answer to that.
1: You might not have the answer to this either, but just, you know, if this – if this trend continues as rapidly as it has for the AHL, at least in the last week, um, you know, at what point do the AHL scheduled makers hands get kind of handcuffed and postponements start turning into cancellations?
0: That's a good question. I mean,
1: (laughs) I'm not saying anybody has an answer. I'm just kind of putting it out
0: there. I feel bad for Melissa um, in the league office who does the schedule. And, I mean, that that thing's a bear to put together in the summertime, never mind trying to shuffle dates around. And, you know, anybody who knows anything about scheduling knows that, you know, you you switch one game around and it affects four or five games as a result. And um, there's travel considerations. There's arena availabilities. Um, I guess what you could possibly look at is, you know, since the league is on a point percentage format this season, If you do have to uh, not just postpone but eventually cancel games, I suppose you could just, you know, write it out that way in terms of, uh, you know, you have some teams playing 68 games all the way up to 76. Maybe if they play 64, 65, or or what have you, um, maybe that is just the way it is, so be it. I mean, if anything we learned last year, it's that uh, the league can be flexible, on scheduling and formats and that sort of thing. So, I mean, maybe if you if you can get to April and the, you mostly have played the schedule, maybe you just take that as a victory and um, you know <laughs> count your blessings. But uh, I don't really know where where there's a whole lot of availability in terms of dates. I mean, it's hard to fill these gaps, and um, you know it's uh, you know it's a pretty compact schedule as it is. And now you're talking having to find maybe multiple dates for a team. I mean, you look at Hershey, for example. They already have two games that have been postponed. Uh, if that extends to this weekend, it would be another two games beyond that. So all of a sudden, you have to slot four games in uh, somewhere into the schedule, and um, that's not easy to do um, in a lot of cases.
2: Well, getting to April, as you said, is is uh, is the goal, but uh, there's some big events that are coming uh, between now and then, particularly over the holiday season, in in different leagues, and and uh, there's the the World Junior uh, event that everybody looks forward to. Is that going to go ahead? There's that built-in gap in the NHL schedule for the uh, Olympic uh, uh, Winter Olympic Games. Uh, are t- uh, is the NHL going to be able to attend that? There's all-star events. There's um, all of those kinds of things are, are I'm, I'm guessing, that all of the leagues are looking at their special events right now in addition to their uh, the games that they have to make up and, and wondering what they can go ahead with and what they can't.
1: What I thought... Yeah. No, go, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. Thank you. I, no, I was just going to say what I found was interesting... You know, you started to see a couple of weeks ago that there were rumblings and reportings, at least at the NHL level, that players were saying that they wanted protocols to start getting tightened for the NHL All-Star game. Um, so if, if players are already starting to make noise about, mm, I'm thinking that protocols, like we might need to tighten the belts a little bit here um, with, with safety measures. Um, if the players are saying that already, then I, th- I think leagues are going to have to start listening.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, um, this is going to be a case where you have to adapt uh, on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, that was certainly the case last season. I mean, it was almost constant adaptation and um, postponements and uh, rescheduling and, uh, you know, tightening up protocols at some point. And so I I would say anything's probably on the table at this point in terms of uh, what you can do. And um that includes tightening up the things even further, um, you know, players I think the one silver lining is players have been through that already. So it wouldn't be such a shock to the system. And, you know, they kind of know how to handle that. So I guess that would be uh, one of the blessings in this because, um, you know, at least that adaptability, uh, isn't a major concern.
1: Well, I think it's, uh, I feel like we've said this, uh, about a dozen times, uh, even since August that it's going to be very fluid. Um, and I, and you're right. I think it's going to change constantly. Uh, it's a little scary where it's at right now. Um, mm-hmm. not just, not just for, um, uh, you know, from the business perspective, but the amount of hockey players, both at the NHL, AHL, CHL level, the amount of hockey players that are coming down with, with COVID-19 cases, um, for a league that is 99.9% vac- vaccinated, uh, is a little frightening. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm concerned about long-term health for for athletes, um, and short-term health. I mean, for that matter. Mm-hmm. So, we will definitely keep an eye on this. Let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, that maybe the postponements, the little flurry of it that we're seeing right now in the AHL, that maybe that uh, comes back down as as quickly as it seems to have spiked up. Uh, But Patrick, we uh, we always appreciate you coming on. Uh, Love getting to chat with you every other week for the AHL hot stove. And this was definitely a topic worthy of uh, of an addition of the AHL hot stove.
0: Yes, thank you. And I guess we'll all stay tuned and hope for the best. That's all you can do these days. It seems
1: like. All right. Well, Rick, uh, it's always great to see uh, to have Patrick back on the show. Always, always tremendous. Uh, Some great insight there. It's a little scary the way it's going right now it is um but for everyone for everyone absolutely so we just want everybody to be safe uh you know it's 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 so i know everybody myself included everybody wants to get back to that quote unquote normal uh, but we have to do it wisely keep each other safe uh, and, of course, thanks again to Patrick Williams for being here for another great edition of the AHL Hot Stove. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at PWilliamsAHL, uh, and always great to hear from him. Um, just quickly want to say thank you again to everyone who has helped our Movember campaign for this season at Rocket Sports Media. Uh, today is the last day, so it's not too late if you haven't gotten in just even a dollar donation. Any, every Every little bit helps. Um, as we uh, try to really knock our goal out of the park, we'll, uh, we'll of course report on official final numbers uh, on next week's show. But if you want to help us out, go to moteam.co slash allhabs. Again, that's moteam.co slash allhabs. We really appreciate your help in such a worthy cause. Um, Rick, this was a tremendous show today. Love the guests. Loved the guests. We had great guests on today, uh, and uh, they were both full of great information, and uh, it was just a lot of fun to do this show today. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Please stay safe out there. Uh, Enjoy the next week of hockey, and you can count on the fact that we will be back here next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio.